0: the voice of the sea pounding against the cliffs was no one alive in there he studied the overturned car listening for a desperate and anguished cry and wondering what he was going to do about it wondering how a poor simple tomcat was going to render any kind of useful assistance he had been hunting hellhag canyon since midnight first at the shore, dodging the rolling breakers, and then, when the fog thickened, moving on up the ravine. He had tracked the wood rat blindly, following only the sound of its scrabbling, had struck and killed it before the creature was ever aware of him. But all night he'd been edgy, too, still nervous from the quakes of the last week. The first instant the skidding car hit the hill and shook the earth, he'd shivered as if another jolt were rocking the cliffs rattling the central california coast the original tembler two days earlier at 5.2 on the richter scale had sent the more timid human residents of molina point fleeing from their cottages to creep back hours later hauling out mattresses and camp stoves and setting up housekeeping in their gardens all week as the village of molina point experienced aftershocks people were tense and excited waiting for the big one for the earth to crack open, for their homes to topple, and giant seas to flood the land. Well, it was only an earthquake, a natural, God-given part of life. A cat might be wary, but a cat didn't lose perspective. Humans, on the other hand, were hopelessly amusing. Facing a natural phenomenon, the poor, gullible bipeds invariably overreacted the earthquake had brought two reporters down from San Francisco, searching for anything sensational, seeking out the displaced and injured, running their cameras in a feeding frenzy, their hunger for alarming news as voracious as the hunger of seagulls attacking a handful of fish innards tossed from the Molina Point pier. But the quake had disturbed the burrowing wild creatures— the mice and wood rats and voles, driving them from their holes, disorienting the little beasts so they were incredibly easy prey. All week, Joe Gray and Dulcie had gorged themselves. Though Dulcie refused to hunt down Hellhag Canyon, she had lectured him on the dangers of high rogue waves after an earthquake, and, when he laughed at her fears, she had turned away, disgusted, growling and lashing her tabby striped tail at what she called tomcat stupidity still listening for a cry of help from within the overturned car joe could hear only the drip drip of gasoline or maybe radiator water tensely he circled the vehicle ears low body rigid ready to spring away if the hulking wreck toppled or exploded the broken, fallen saplings that lay tangled across the wreck's greasy, exposed underside half covered the drive shaft and one bent wheel. He found the source of the dripping sound. It came from the left front wheel, where a viscous liquid, a substance as thick as maple syrup, dropped steadily into a pool among the crushed ferns. When he sniffed the little puddle, the stuff smelled a bit like syrup, the stink of maple syrup laced with ether, Backing away, he approached the upside-down windshield that rose from the bracken, the glass patterned like a spiderweb encased in crystal. And now, over the smell of gas, came the sharp scent of human blood. Behind the glass, he could see the driver, white and still, his contorted body wrapped around the steering wheel and impaled by a twisted strip of metal, his head jammed down into the concavity of the roof. There was no way this guy could be alive not with his chest pierced through and the amount of blood pooling out. The passenger seat had come loose and lay across him. He hugged it firmly in a rictus of pain and death. The victim's Levi-clad backside was jammed against the shattered side window, an edge of broken glass pressed against the billfold that budged in his hip pocket. The wallet had probably prevented a sharp cut across the buttocks, not that this fellow would have felt it was no passenger, no one else in the car. The young man had died alone. He was maybe thirty, Joe thought. The victim's pale blue eyes stared at some entity that no one among the living would ever see. His brown hair was neatly trimmed, a better haircut than Joe's housemate Clyde would ever spring for. The dead man's blood-stained shirt and torn camel hair sport coat looked expensive.